0: Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Dan and Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Ita Ken, a co-founder and CEO of JotForm, an online form builder that enables businesses to create customized forms. And I mean, uh, obviously, so many people know about it because uh, you're serving a staggering amount of users. I think you've hit 20 million. Uh, just recently, bootstrapped and uh, with a team of about six hundred people.
1: Hello, Anna. Great to be on your show. Yes, that's true. Uh, but it's been eighteen years since I started Jotform. It's been a long time, and uh, we have we have grown into a, a big company. But we still have the same um, kind of enthusiasm uh, about like our users, our, our product. I try to keep my bootstrap founder mentality and in my company I, I try to keep that startup spirit alive. Yeah.
0: That's wonderful. That's that's what we absolutely love with SaaS Group. But we started with, you know, buying SaaS companies that were only bootstrapped and then we moved on to uh, VC funded but what we're still looking for is what you just said a bootstrapper mentality which I think is great because it you know it allows you to be a bit more agile and creative in your decision making processes so let's get in there uh, but first things first what's your background and like what was the inspiration behind Jotform? forum
1: yeah uh, I studied computer science uh, at school and then I was working as a developer uh, for a uh, com- media company in New York. Uh, I was working there for five years and I had like a lot of di- different kinds of uh, duties, but one of my duties was to like create these online forms for our editors. Like we had like over hundred websites and like I was creating all these forms and I hated it. I didn't want to create an HTML form. I, you know, I had like really challenging, uh, exciting uh, work. And then I also had to create like the HTML forms Uh, But I had to do it like it seemed like every day, like our editors were were asking for a form from me, like contact forms, payment forms, questionnaires, surveys, like all kinds of forms. And and I wish like I wished that there was a product that I could just give it to them. Okay, take this and just create your own forms. Like you don't need me. Like it's just the same thing like HTML, Uh, the same thing all over again there were some like um like you know there was survey monkey there were like uh, some small products but um nothing that i could really give it to them so this was uh 2005 and and when i decided that okay i'm gonna actually this is enough like five years of corporate work um life is enough that i'm gonna actually build my own company that uh i was so excited about this idea that I thought, okay, hey, I will just jump in, and uh, I quit my job. The next day, I started working on Jotform, and then February 2006, I released Jotform, and it turned out that a lot of people actually needed it. And the way I was able to get people to uh, use my product was I I I, I provided it as a free product for the first first year. It was all free, and. Um, after I saw that people actually needed this and, you know, they were giving me feedback and, uh, like I was getting signups every day. Like in the beginning I was getting like, you know, 10, signups a day. And then it was like hundred signups a day. And by the time it was like 2007, a year later, uh, I had like 15,000, uh, users, free users. And then I released the paid version and then, you know, uh, I released the page where I remember it like just uh, send an announcement and then I send it, send it really early in the morning. And then the first payment came from Europe, from Spain and then the UK and then, you know, from the East Coast of the United States. So, you know, even the first day, like starting getting upgrades, I knew that JATFORM would be a successful company. And after that, it was all uh, hard work, um, you know. And I have this fifty-fifty uh, rule. Um, I know you are going to ask about me, ask me about all kinds of good wow. questions because uh, I love your show. But one of the one of uh, my rule is like fifty-fifty. I spend like you know in the beginning the same uh, half of my time on product and half of my time on growth. And you are you are also a growth taker, I know. And uh, and because if you don't have a good product and uh, the people you bring in. Uh, you just they just churn out, you lose them, but if you don't have a uh, if you if you can't bring people in, you can't get feedback from them you can't improve your uh, product so it's it's all uh this um, you know this cycle of uh product and growth and it, it, sometimes you need to like spend more time on growth and sometimes you need to spend more time on product but um, um on average I try to spend half of my time on growth half of my own my product and I still like I was doing that the same thing on the first day and I'm still doing that today and even our company is like divided in a similar way
0: yeah yeah you're absolutely right that was one of my questions like uh because uh the company has grown tremendously right it's almost 18 it is 18 years right so uh what I've noticed is you're still very active like whenever you go to YouTube and, you know, you search for JotForm, it's always you doing something. And yeah, I I really wanted to ask that question because, I mean, 600 people uh, in the company, you're still kind of the face of the company. How does it um, work in the whole, like growth strategy? And is there anything else that you're leveraging through your, well, now very well known founder brand? I
1: think over time, we found that the the biggest growth strategy is uh, having a product that's viral and also having a good product. So uh, when you have a product that has some virality and in our product, uh, we still have the free version. Like um, most of our uh, users are still free and we have 20 million users. And what happens is that when they share a form with others, like the other people also see JotForm brand on the email um, uh, when they fill the form and then if they are using the free version you know they get exposure to the JotForm logo and um so this this results in like uh continuous growth because there is a virality and um so you know I wouldn't change that for like you know for money because that's like the long-term growth uh that's like you know uh you can make your product or we can make our product like you know all paid or like trial. But what happens is that you lose that virality of the free product. So it's, right. it's really important for me. Um, the, the other thing is um, uh, we are constantly investing on the quality of our product because uh, what happens is that when you go to like uh, like review sites like G2 that you will see that chat form is always on the top on the categories. Uh, the reason is that because uh, we invest so much in the quality of the product, uh, in return, people actually constantly refer us and constantly talk about us. And that actually creates like uh, goodwill and that goodwill is actually returns as users. So I think those two things are really important. For me, we found a brand, like we actually, like we measure everything. Like that's one of our, one of our like really, uh, important things that we care about at chat form. Like we measure everything and we also measure like all my like blogs or, uh, like, and like we don't get anything from my brand, like uh, my uh, my uh, founder brand doesn't actually bring any users, any paid users. Uh, but what it brings is that uh, for me, it's a way for me to be like kind of share uh, what I learned with others. Uh, so that's important for me. But uh, and in return, I meet a lot of people. Uh, people read my articles, they write to me. I mean, I have three kids, so you know, I cannot answer everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have three kids and 600 people uh, company uh, but I still try to like get back to them and like meet them talk to them and I, that's that's the reason I, ha- I care about my founder uh, like brand is for me to with connect with other people and that that's actually great because uh, once you when you meet with people you actually learn a lot from them so uh, that's, that's also good and I, I put those learnings back into the business so it, it still helps but it doesn't Directly help uh, our company at all.
0: All right. Well, I think I mean it plays probably into like accountability, right? Because it's I mean uh, when I think about my personal customer experience, uh, it's really um, it really reassures me that you know a founder is actually backing out their own product. You know they talk about it, they're being very vocal, but. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's it's perfect that, uh, yeah, like you said, it's really important to to measure something I mean, as a growth person, and I'm not uh, very big on like analytics and measuring I don't really like that, because uh, it's a bit more boring. But uh, I think it's really important to like know what your goal is, and, and how to measure right how to see what, what's moving the needle. So that's, that's really fascinating. And so you started a SaaS when a SaaS wasn't really a thing and you started a product like growth when that didn't even have a name. So Mm -hmm. that's very interesting. So what else is, uh, is there in your, like the whole strategy behind the product? Because, you know, now it has become such a competitive space. There is Typeform, there is, you know, Google has it, uh, so. And at at one point, I remember one of your interviews when you said when Google released that, uh, you were really terrified of what it's going to do to JotForm. So how to basically, obviously, yes, there is virality, right? There is uh, a a ton of content that you're producing. But what else is like the biggest differentiator? What is the basically the problem that JotForm is is solving right now for the users and customers?
1: I think the, the biggest differentiator for us is the, the product. So we had 18 years, right? And uh, we, we kept our focus on the product. And I think the first 10 years, like we just focused on the form builder uh, most of the time. And uh, we rewrote our uh, form builder four times. And until the last time, like uh, until the last last rewrite, like the uh, fourth version of JotForm form builder, uh, we couldn't get it right. But on the, first, like after 10 years, it's like twenty, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. 2015, 2016. Uh, we kind of, uh, sales grows actually very slowly. Like, um, it starts very slowly and it's just, um, because you get paid like monthly or yearly and not big amounts. Like Jotform was like $9 a month uh, in the beginning because it was, um, very slow growth. I didn't have a big team. Like the first year I had, I, I hired my first employee, second year, I had my second employee. So we had that like a very slow growth path. But um, I think around like 10 year mark, uh, we had like 20 employees, 20, 30 employees at this point. And and I actually got the talent, like I got really good designers, really good developers. I built a great team and that team was able to write like the fourth version of the form builder and that just made a big difference so um like one of the biggest advice i have to to the listeners is that don't just stop there um like we we it took us 10 years to make a good product just the form builder of chat form like form has like so many uh things uh it took us 10 years because it it takes so much time and focus and thinking about that about it I couldn't get it right. Neither, like I was thinking about it all the time, but I needed those people, like really good people, on my side, on my team, to be able to accomplish that. But once we got that, suddenly like our growth increased a lot because we were actually keeping people, like people who tried Jotform, was able to use it, and all the features were good. Um, so, and then uh, our product went into the second stage we start focusing on what happens after the form right so um i say it's like a, a journey, like every journey on on JAT form starts with a form so you know someone fills a form but that's just the first step and after that like let's say you have a um you have a, like a request form someone is like requesting something you have a sign up form um you you have a survey like questionnaire whatever payment form like that's the first step someone is filling the form they are making a request they are uh buying something they are um applying for something so we started helping people on the next steps on their journey once we got that first step right once we got the forms right we started helping people on the next steps which was like uh, we built all the tools they may need, like, you know, um, like we have a signed product, JotForm sign, So, you know, we added e-signatures. We had an approvals product. We added this Airtable-like spreadsheet product so that people actually can play with their data much more easily. Uh, we have a JotForm inbox, and we have a document builder, like a PDF creation uh, generation tool. So we had, we built this suite of tools so that, and we, we built them with the knowledge from our users. Like we, we actually interviewed hundreds of uh, our customers and we, and we were like sending them like, okay, hey, we want to talk to you. Uh, we, we are going to give you like this 50, $50 gift certificate from Amazon. Just we need your like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes of your time. And they were so happy uh, about it. Like yeah. that offer, like that has like over 50% return rate. Like, you know, people always accept that. And um, so, and then we interview them, we get there, we understand what they do after they they use the forms. Like um, with, so we added all these like productivity suites and that was the next stage. So now because JotForm handles so many things for our users, uh, our churn rate dropped, um, our number of users uh, exploded, especially during the pandemic where all these companies actually stop doing these like paper paper signatures or like emailing, like scanning signatures to each other. Because at home you don't have a scanner. Uh, you know, some okay. people have, but most people don't. Uh, but like, it's just, uh, we were just ready. And then the, uh, uh, the pandemic actually, uh, we saw a big growth during the pandemic. And um, yeah, that was, and 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 now we still you know focus on our our core like improving our uh, core product u- are improving our usability and i really believe in the product and that's one of the reasons that i i really believe in founders and i know that you your company your uh, company also buys fa- buys founders but you know the founders still stay with you right and that's a great approach that's an amazing approach uh but what happens is that when VCs, you know, you know, they invest in companies and then they replace these founders, the CEO that comes in, maybe that's a like a really good salesperson, maybe that person is uh, like really good with numbers, but that, that person doesn't have that founder man- mentality. The founder is being a founder is all about like creating something, improving something, and you like it's part of that journey. It's not like quarter to quarter, it's it's a long journey. And I look at it the same way. I look at it as a very long journey and I invest in like next 5 or 10 years. I don't invest in net next quarter. I don't care about the sales numbers in the next 3 months. I you know, it doesn't matter. I care about the long term. And that that's a great approach for sales because sales is all about service. Uh, there's there's a soft, software aspect, but there's also the service aspect. And if you're servicing people, You have to be, you have to provide good good service, high uh, quality product, high availability, you know, no downtime and like fast product, all those things, you know, all the, all those things. And that, you know, just, you have to um, keep people's trust. Like you have to get and keep people's trust and that, that requires a long-term approach.
0: This episode is sponsored by Rewardful.com. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay affiliates based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Building a successful affiliate program can be a little bit intimidating figuring out where to get started. That's where Rewardful has taken what they've observed from their most successful customers' affiliate programs and distilled that into an exclusive online course. The exciting part? Their affiliate marketing course is absolutely free. And by joining the waitlist today, you'll get early access to it as soon as it goes live. Join the waitlist at rewardful.com course rewardful.com slash course and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think you're right. I mean, we do have um, a couple of great uh, examples at SaaS group where, you know, founders left and we, we have uh, new CEOs. But usually it's a person that's been involved with the company and they know how it grows. And, you know, they also can see the, the like the long term. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, something that, uh, you know, you started talking about the forms and uh, how, you know, it's still the core of the product. And I just remembered one of the uh, latest episodes when we talked about growth. And how uh, now, you know, a lot of products like, I don't know, Instagram, TikTok even, right, they have their own um, lead generation forms. So for for the sole reason, um, that people don't really want to leave social media, right, when when they want to sign up for something, so they hang out in one place. So it's uh, that whole like zero click content kind of situation. So has it affected? Job form in any way, or are you kind of getting into that space in a way uh, somehow as well?
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, those kind of forms are usually um, not that, um, not that really that uh, popular or, you know, um, not the main reason people use forms. Um, so if you look at like the top customers for our, ours of uh, our company, um, we see that it's it's all about like working with a lot of other people so for example healthcare um education nonprofits. profits these are like um these organizations deal with other people so they have to like get requests from others and then they, they need to process those requests and um usually like they have all these workflows that needs to be handled so it's you know just like those uh like minor you know social media forms are not going to help them or even like a google google forms is not going to help them because it's just going to be uh too too short it's going to be too small for them to be able to handle um so for us um it's um and it's not just those like there are there are other types of uh, so it's very horizontal um all kinds of um, different industries use chat form and even, um, like, in different kind of industries, we see, like, different departments use job from, like, HR department uses a lot, for example, forms are needed a lot. Um, so it's being a very horizontal product uh, means that those kind of changes doesn't really affect us much. Uh, we haven't seen them. Uh, but you mentioned that Google Forms story, so I can talk about that uh, uh, that sure. story for your listeners as well. Um, so basically this was like uh in the first years of chat during the first years of chat form and um and like i think three or four years after i started chat form i kind of um before chat form i never managed anybody you know i i was just a single developer at a large company so it's just um like it started becoming like too much like i was I was buried under busy work um so i was spending all my day you know accounting legal hr ordering supplies for the office like answering customers processing my emails like i was spending all this time with these things like i was feeling like just uh i cannot really work on my products i cannot put my attention on what matters like product and growth and i was actually doing other things so much And this busy work was actually like killing all my time, killing all my energy. And right at this moment, something else happened. Uh, Google actually came up with Google Forms. Like now I'm also competing with Google, like all that stuff. And on top of that, I have to compete with with Google. And I think that was a really uh, important breaking moment for me. It was like, okay, uh, I had to take some time and I had to make a decision. Okay, I'm going to. I'm going to have to change something, otherwise, this is not going to go well. And I decided that I'm going to, like, I'm a developer. You know, I know how to automate things. I have a no code product. I help people automate things. Why am I doing? Why am doing everything uh, manually? So I started automating everything. Like, I started building all these automations in my business, in my personal life, in my team, in how we develop our product in everything and that just made a huge difference and i think the automation is really important not because uh not because like you can save time but i think the reason you want to save time is you want to put that time and energy into something important and that 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 it's about prioritization if you if you like the stuff that like the busy work is like constantly coming right like if uh, every receipt, I have to do every, like accounting for every receipt myself, like I'm constantly interrupted. Um, so the interruption is happening because of the busy work. If you can actually automate everything, then interruptions also go away. And when interruptions goes away, you can focus on things that are important and you can make a big difference in your, in your business, in your life. And that really worked for me. And I think that's one of the reasons. Uh, I'm successful. Just form is successful, and that's why actually uh, this year um, I released a book, automate your busy work, and all the things that I learned uh, about automation, I created this book and I put it in it, and it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and uh, I received great feedback from people who read it. So it's not just about like automation, but it's about uh, saving your saving time so that you can use your brain for the important work.
0: Right, that I think that's really really important. Uh, well, you know, I'm getting the book, and next time I'm in Istanbul, <laughs> I'm coming <laughs> for for a signature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's perfect. And is there anything about AI? Because like everyone, you know, uh, ChatGPT uh, emerged out of nowhere. Um, well, not really, but still for, for the majority of people, right. Uh, and uh, at first, you know, there was this wind whirl of uh, opinions, like, is it going to take all of our jobs, but then when people can like calm down a little bit, uh, everyone started talking about, okay, like, no, but what it can do is like automate stuff, right? And like, take away some of the mundane tasks. So are you using any Are you using ChatGPT or any other AI tools and is there anything about it in the book?
1: Um, The book is more about, it's less about like um, AI, but more about uh, regular um, automations. Like you can use right now, like all the the things you have uh, at your disposal. And and it talks, uh, you know, I talk about the automation first mindset um, and how, You can use uh, automation to um, save time. And, you know, uh, one of my biggest examples is uh, emails, how I automated my emails, and it didn't involve any AI. Um, Basically, what I did, I was getting these uh, so many emails, and an average office worker receives 175 emails a day, and I was receiving, like, hundreds of emails. And I was getting lost in my inbox, and I tried inbox zero, and it didn't help a lot. What I did was... I tried all these different uh, email products, and some of the time I was like, they were saying, oh, we use AI, uh, like you know, to save you time, but none of them actually worked. But I discovered that what I really wa- was a uh, uh, it, it was about prioritization. What I really needed was, I didn't, instead of an email product that's showing me emails by date and time, uh, what I needed was seeing my emails in a priority order. So the the top email the most important email should be at the top and then the next email should be uh, below it and then the, that's that spam or the newsletter that you're not going to even look should be at the bottom if you if i could have that then that will solve all my problems because whatever time I, I have like if i have 10 minutes i can look at my top priority emails i can process them and just you know move on with a uh, peace of mind but um there wasn't anything like that, and um, wh- the, the solution I found was I actually built these like different labels. Uh, I I just used like Gmail's labels and filters. I created these labels like level one, level two, and level three, and then I created these filters uh, so that if I consider something top priority, for example, if our head of HR is emailing me directly, or my publisher is Wiley, and if someone from Wiley emails me. Then you know that goes to the top priority email inbox, and then I cre- kept creating these uh, filters and building these. I know that it sounds like that's also a lot of work, but it's actually um, you know since you process your top priority emails first, it actually um, you can actually do it gradually. And over time, I actually you know created like you know more than th- thousands of filters, but it didn't happen in a single day. I gradually built them. And today I have a system so that I can see the top priority emails. And then if I if between meetings, if I have five minutes, I can actually process my top priority email and then move to the next priority email, next priority email. And what I did was like on browsers, I'm linking directly to, to those labels. Like on Gmail, you can actually do that. Uh basically I go to my browser bookmarks and I click on, you know, uh top priority and click on that, and then I see all my top priority emails. And that actually saved me so much time, and that was one of the uh, uh, one of the hacks, uh, automation hacks that I found. And in the book, I talk about uh, similar hacks as well. But uh, if we go back to the AI, I think the AI is really important, and AI gonna is gonna make automation so much faster and easier. At this time, like you know, we are we are using AI, but it's not it's we are not seeing it like in like full, like it's just the very beginning. And in like 10 years, it's going to be like every product is going to Im- include AI and they're going to be, they're going to be much more easier to use, much more faster to use. And just, uh, they will save us so much time. So I'm really excited AI. And, and uh, we we are also using AI in our product, but mostly on the backend systems, like, you know, uh, especially like, uh, you know, uh, like phishing, um, abuse, fraud, um, like, you know, spam, things like that. We catch them using AI. And I think, you know, and we are excited about using it in our product as well. And just we are testing the things out right now. It's just, uh, we haven't made any major changes yet.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So because it's like, it's really interesting, right? You, you, well, like you said, you have three kids, and you have uh, 600 more. (laughs) And you have to deal with, uh, you know, a company and uh, writing a book. So like the way automation kind of, you know, helps you do that. And honestly, uh, I want to be as excited as you are, I I really need to read your book, probably, uh, because I tried to automate anything at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very like old, old school kind of lady. I don't automate, I use notebooks. So, and I go through tons of them over the year. But yeah, if there is a way to like get excited about automation, I will definitely try it. But um, coming back to Jotform and you know, 20 million users. Um, how with the amount of you know probably requests and you know support tickets and uh, hey i want this and that how does prioritization happen in you know such volumes so how basically yeah you process you know everything that people may want or need and you know overcome the feature overload
1: yeah uh, that's a great question um so how do we keep a good user experience uh, while, um, you know, uh, adding all the features people need. And that's a topic that I always think about because it's a really tough problem. Um, I think it's, it's about having a kind of deep product. So if you give everything to the users, they're just going to get confused. Uh, but, you know, if you have those features, but if they are hidden away, and if they can only discover it if they when they need it, then you kind of have this like this product that's very deep. So you want to have this very simple, uh, small uh, product. But then once people want to go dive deep, then you, you need to give them ability to be able to use all those advanced features. But that's that's really hard. That's not easy. And the way we make decisions is we do a lot of user research, uh, which involves like usability testing like getting people to like use the product and then like uh, using their voice, they describe what what they are doing. And then uh, like we use products like usertesting.com to get the uh, user testing. And uh, we also do a a lot of interviews, as I mentioned previously, like just talk to the users and get their feedback. And our user uh, interviewers, they will actually turn them into like slides and they will present to us like, Sometimes we'll just listen to the uh, customers talking about something to understand what they are thinking about. And also we have all these uh, like product teams. Uh, We have about 15 product teams and they're all focused on a single area uh, within our product and they they make their own decisions. So we we believe in uh, working from office, but every team actually has their own office space uh so they they have their own room usually like 5 to 6 people they have this big whiteboard um in a beautiful office space they're like a small startup uh within a bigger company and then they they make their own decisions and then they they listen to uh to the u- users customers and then they understand their needs they make decisions and they move forward and um so this actually Gives them so much uh, flexibility, so much uh, freedom to to really make the right decisions, and uh, this actually allows us to kind of move forward on different areas, like you know, ten or fifteen different areas. We can actually move forward, but um, there's actually, you know there's that that problem when you have like so many different teams working on the product of like how do you keep things consistent. How do you make sure that everything has a, like a good user experience? That also requires like teamwork. Um, like, you know, those cross-functional, like, for example, every product team have their own, uh, designers and these designers come together. They make decisions. They use the same, um, like design systems, things like that to make sure that they are consistent, uh, throughout the product. And, um, the things they learn, they, they also coach each other so that they, everyone improves and uh, we have a much better product.
0: Okay, that's perfect. I think knowledge sharing, when, when you keep people uh, you know, independent and empower them to make their own decisions, uh, knowledge sharing is so important. It's something that we deeply believe in as well at SAS Group. So, um, well, the, I think that's a great approach. Uh, so just a couple more questions, uh, because you already mentioned that right? Uh, there is a core product, which is a forum builder, But you started building like the whole suite of automation tools uh that now help so many teams when did you decide you know this is a time to start to scale and what was the biggest challenge in like bringing people that extra value and like showing them that you know there is now a new corner of the product that you can explore um and you don't have to like go and subscribe to another product so like we're slowly getting them all in
1: yeah i think the scaling part kind of came very organically and naturally, um, but I think it was around like um, year prob- year seven or uh, like around that time, um, we kind of, as a group, we had like 10 people and um, it was actually, things were actually getting more difficult. So as we added more people, uh, things weren't working well. And uh, I remember the days when I started the company, when I was like alone or like with one or two employees things were much smoother and then once we have grown like 10 people things actually got worse and the reason for the problem is everybody started on different things and every people were working individually and people working individually doesn't work really well because the, the problem is that uh, you want to have teams not because like uh, like they can handle more stuff but of course they handle more stuff but you want a conversation between people and we were like when we were five people all working on the same thing in our product that was a very exciting time like we would go to lunch and we would talk about uh how we are gonna change things what we are gonna do but once we were over 10 people and everybody had their own like different uh part They weren't talking to each other. Everybody had their own work and they were just doing getting the work done. And the problem with that approach is um, like you don't have that conversation, you don't have that advancement, you don't have the you know ideas um talking to each other. And and around that time that I looked back at the time when we were like much better, and I decided, okay, okay, we are at this point like around 15 people. Um, this is not working. Like everybody working individually. Like we are coming to the same office. Everyone is like sitting next to each other, and then they're all doing their thing, and then they're going going home. It's like remote work, but uh, we are just coming to office. This is not working. Um, the thing that really worked for us, and the thing our culture has this teamwork culture, and uh, we have to go back to that. So when we were around fifteen people, I said, okay, hey. We are going to divide into three teams. We are going to have these three teams, single project, single team, single single room. So everybody has their own rooms. Everybody, uh, Every team has their own room, uh, their whiteboard, uh, their own room, and their project, single project. Uh, no one is working on different things. And that really worked. And that's how I was able to scale things. And if I couldn't figure that out, I don't think I could have scaled the company because things weren't going so well but once i was able to get the teamwork uh, done then we were able to uh, scale the company and it became much easier and the, the result was that as i mentioned that the fourth version of the uh, form builder was so good that suddenly like a uh, number of users and revenues were growing much faster and that and we became so much better at uh, making a better product and that really worked for us. Teamwork uh, really worked for us.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, I, I think that's a, that's a great hack as well, because um, yeah, the, the, the easier the communication between all the parties, even if you, you know, you're in your silo, right. Working on one piece of software or like growth or whatever it is you're doing uh, still, you have to talk about it. And I think it's, again, it's, it's not even about letting people know what you're working on, but it's about the knowledge sharing. It's just like getting inspiration from other people and uh, getting different opinions, uh, because it's it really also
1: has to be prioritization. Because um, so instead of having five people working on five different things, when you say okay, five people can only work on work on one thing, you're actually pushing that team to prioritize things like they have to work on the most important thing because their time is limited. So they just work on the most important thing. And that most important tool, like that principle 80 to 20, is probably makes such a bigger impact that it's better than like working on five different things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, just two questions, the usual ones in the podcast. First is what has been so far the biggest win and the biggest failure?
1: Biggest win is the like as I said like uh, really focusing on the product for the first ten years just getting the product right. I think it's the that's the biggest win uh, because uh, just we could have just like built the next product. I remember like uh, we were small, but you know someone was asking me, okay, when are we gonna build the second product? Are we gonna just build the same thing again and again? And I was I think I was right that like okay we need to get this right first. Um otherwise it doesn't matter. Like um I think I think I love that like many people actually have that like micro uh SaaS approach, like you know, let's build all these like multiple products. But what's the pro- the the problem with that is they are losing the the biggest opportunity. They might be losing biggest opportunities. If they can pick just one of them and just focus on that, that can become like 10 times, 100 times, like 1,000 times, much more successful. But by dividing your time in these like 5 to 10 different products, like just you lose that opportunity to to become uh, much bigger. But, you know, it sometimes works for uh, some people because they have like a different kind of, you know, they have a different life balance, like, you know, they travel and they, they don't, you know, once you have like a this big product where lot of users, you have to provide like much better support and all that. So I, I understand that mentality. But if you want to go big, uh, you, you want to go small, you want to go focus on a small a single thing. And just focusing on that thing was uh my biggest win i believe even though i took 10 years to get the product right it was worth it
0: i mean it worked (laughs) all right what was the biggest failure or or challenge
1: um i would say before we get to that, uh like working on our our product continuously we had this this approach of like releasing uh making big releases so Mm -hmm. Like, we would work on something for a year and then we, we would release it, and then we would have all these angry people, uh, angry users, uh, because we were breaking things. We were making so many changes. Like, they were using something, we rewrote that, and then they lost all the changes. And then I started reading Eric Rice's blog uh, long, long before he wrote the uh, Lean Startup. I was a uh, like big uh, fan of Eric Ries. And uh, I started applying all that knowledge, uh, the lean startup ideas and how to continuously uh, develop the product. And that that really made a big difference. And uh, that was the biggest failure. And, uh, you know, I also mentioned that not automating things and doing things manually was also <laughs> a big failure for us, yeah.
0: Okay, all right. Well, uh, you know, when I think when it's... Uh this kind of failure that you could turn around, it's, you know, it's experience, it's a learning experience. So uh, well done, you could, you know, uh, you could, like I said, turn it around, make it bigger, make it better. Um, So yeah, since we came back to automation a little bit, so maybe you could share your best hack in automating, you know, your life or your uh, operations as a SaaS founder.
1: I think the best hack for me was um, the emails hack uh, I mentioned. Um, like, because I was like, uh, as you grow, as your business grows, the amount of uh, emails and the messages you receive is getting bigger and bigger. And it's hard to keep it sane. When I was able to prioritize my emails and I, when I was able to figure out how to pro- process my emails uh, by priority, That actually um, saved me so much time, and I didn't have to worry about, like, if I missed an important email, things like that, and that made a big difference for me.
0: Okay. yeah, I think it's a, it's a great one. I'm going to, to try and play uh, with with Gmail. Uh, maybe it will help me too, because I've lost a few uh, important emails lately. So maybe that's, that's a good hack for me to to implement. So thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, I mean, it's it's great to see your absolutely incredible growth and, and what you're doing with such a huge team and how, you know, it's still bootstrapped and it's still growing. Uh, so really really exciting journey so thank you for sharing that and hopefully uh we can do it again sometime
1: thank you anna it was great to be on your show and yeah i would love to be on your show again in the future
0: thank you thank you and take care that was yet another awesome conversation on sas unbound we're always looking for new guests to share their experiences we mostly talk with bootstrapped sas founders and if you're one reach out to me directly at anna at or find me on linkedin if you're not bootstrapped or even not sas but have a great story to tell we want to hear from you too and obviously sas unbound wouldn't be possible without the Saz group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success if you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options Feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.